Okay. How is everyone doing? All right, let's wrap up those conversations. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Great. My name is Samvi Bruce. I'm a member here. I've been at this church for geez, three, four years now. And it's my pleasure and very humble and very humble to share the message uh, with everyone this morning. But since I'm here, I thought I would do a quick survey because I have some answers that I would like to, to get to uh, before we, we have the message. So do you guys remember uh, in the book of Acts uh, on, on, on Pentecost when uh, God was going to pour out the Holy Spirit? Uh, they were all in the upper room. And then there, you know, there was a strong wind, and the spirit, the Holy Spirit, was poured out, and all of a sudden they were all speaking in tongues, and then the whole city came around, and everyone could hear uh, in their own language because they had the Jews from different part of the world that came in the city, so speaking different languages. So my question, the survey I want to make is: Was it a listening? Was it a hearing miracle, or was it a speaking miracle? Meaning that if it was a, a hearing miracle, that means that they were just speaking, they were making some sound, and people could hear in their language. So that would be a hearing miracle. And if it was a speaking miracle, that means that they didn't know the language, and then all of a sudden they start speaking, you know, French, German, and, and whatnot. So who thinks that it was a hearing miracle? Okay. And, and speaking miracles. Okay. All right. Great. I think that most people believe that it was a, a speaking miracles. There is, the reason why I bring, I bring that up is that because today we're going to need a miracle. Uh, you, 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 guys, you guys need to really pray that the Lord will help me, will help you uh, understand, hear what I'm saying. And so that you guys can register it, and then there's going to be a second miracle for it to go from here into your heart. So with that, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you and I give you praise. You have said that we don't need any teacher, that you're going to be, that you'll be the teacher, that you will teach us all things. So we want you to teach today. Use me as your device. Uh, purify the word that I'll speak. The word that are not from you, let it fall away. Uh, but the word that are from you will sink deep and will produce fruit. Because you have said that none of your word, not a single word, will go back to you void. But they will produce fruits. They will produce results. So I ask for your spirit to give us hearts. I ask you to give me hearts for my brothers and sisters, that you create love, that our conversation will be seasoned with grace, and that we'll all be built up. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Quick story. Some years ago, I, with my wife, decided to, take a, to go on a, on a road trip, a family road trip. 
So we were going from Michigan to Washington, D.C. So as most, at least in our family, we like to leave early so we can beat traffic. Now, there was a problem during that time. It was a time where the Lord was pulling my heart, was really after me, felt like he had kind of mobilized the entire earth to come after me. So, so getting ready for this trip, we, we all, you know, everything went well. We, we sailed, we, we left. And, and I always had this feeling when I was, you know, on those trips because we had to go through Ohio. Now, the thing about Ohio was that once you're in Michigan and you get into Ohio, roads all of a sudden get very, very good, right? Roads are, are very nice in Ohio compared to, to, to Michigan. And there's always this tendency once you get, once you enter Ohio, that you just naturally want to make up for the time that you lost in Michigan. And the problem is, in Ohio, you have cops every other mile, pretty much. And, and they're very, very quick to, to, to dole out tickets. So, uh, so we left, and everybody, you know, was fine. You know, they they're start sleeping, going back to sleep in the car. And we're driving, getting to Ohio. Everything was fine. I was always checking out, you know, if there were any cops anywhere. Um, and then, on I-75, uh, I, we, we passed uh, this... Uh, this sign. You couldn't see it really well. But on the sign, it's a huge sign uh, with a cross that goes across the whole building. And what's written on it is, Jesus is the answer. And all of a sudden, I start feeling, again, very stressed out and almost upset. And, and in my mind, there was, yes, there it goes again. Other, other believers, other Christians that could not keep their faith, their, their religion to themselves, they have to proclaim it everywhere. So I was a little bit distressed, but after a while, uh, I'll start really thinking about it. What would cause somebody to put on a, on, a, on a factory such a huge sign? And just in my mind, I was just going through the whole thing. And what do they mean, Jesus is the answer? Answer to what? Now, Everything went fine, and in case you're wondering, I didn't get any ticket, although I was lost in my mind, but everything went fine. Now, fast, fast forward uh, several months, finally the Lord wrestled me down. Uh, I surrendered. It was great. I fell in love with the Lord, and I'll read pretty much anything that I, can, I could get my hand on. Now, a Saturday, I was in the, in the bookstore, and going through different books, and then I stumbled upon uh, this book. Um, this book, and there you go again, that, that famous sign. And that was my opportunity to really go and read about the author and what, what, you know, basically get the answer that I was looking for, meaning what caused him to put a sign there. So it's, it's a very fascinating story. So this guy, his name is Stanley, Stanley Tam. And just to, to tell you very briefly, uh, he, he grew up uh, during the Depression, and he was resolved to, to get out of poverty. And his, what he figured out is that if he could be a good salesman, he can get rich very quickly. And his challenge was that he was very shy. So he started in Lima, Ohio, 
uh, in the city wasn't working very well. And then he went into the, in the, into the countryside, going door to door to farmers, and he was selling all sort of consumer goods. And then one day he got uh, a lady, a lady opened the door to him. He came in, uh, she bought, and at the same time she told him about the Lord. And one thing leading to another, he became a believer. However, his sales career wasn't going well. And at some point, um, you know, he completely gave up and he, he, he got into a different type of business. Uh, went at it and still didn't work. He lost all his money and so on and so forth. And then he prayed and he asked the Lord that if he could only help him turn around his business, he would give him half of his company. Well, typical rookie mistake. <laughs> And lo and behold, things started getting better, and business was great, and everything was, was awesome. And that little voice came back later and said, hey, where is my share? So, and, and, and he knew that it was God's doing, and he decided to give half of his business to the Lord. So he went, found a lawyer, started a foundation uh, for missions, and gave, turned over half of the company to this foundation. Now, that was easy. The other part is, if you have God as your partner, seriously, pretty much every prompting that you have, you, you have to act on it, right? Because he's your partner. So he will be very diligent about doing that. One example that he gave was, at the end of the year, they closed their books, and there was some money left that they couldn't figure out where it came from. What it turned out to be it was some invoicing errors that they made, where they got a little bit more money. God, you know, The Lord, his partner, would not let him keep that money. So he had to go back, have their account, and go figure out for each one of those customers, those small amounts, and he had to refund them. And as he was doing that, the Lord prompted him, hey, you have to explain what's going on here. So he wrote a letter, explained his entire situation, and believe it or not, it was the best uh, evangelism campaign that they have done. It was a great marketing thing. He, he had more others come in. Things were going well, and as usual, the Lord doesn't like to, you know, be a partner to be, uh, per se. So God wanted to have the whole company. So again, he turned he turned over, and instead of 49 percent, he gave it 100 percent. He became a salary, uh, an employee on a fixed salary. Now the part that really got me uh, in the book was um, was this statement that he made. I believe tenaciously in the possibility of a man linking his life to God in that linkage, discovering life as God means it to be. That sentence really set me up on a trajectory to be resolved to live by faith and, and, and do as much as I can um, to be sensitive to, to the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, how can you do that? How is that possible? If you can turn to John 15:5, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to raise your hand. We'll bring one. It is on page 901. I call the Bible the hymn book. So if you don't have a hymn book, please grab one. Hymn, hymn as H-I-M. It's about him. Everything in the Bible talks about Christ. So let's read it. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, 
he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a, that's a pretty bold statement uh, from the Lord. And as, most, most, as, as, as often, a lot of his statements tend to arrest us. And in this case, it's not really the first time that he's saying something like that. He even said it for himself, uh, speaking of the Father, where he said that he doesn't do anything unless he sees his Father, his father does it. Or he doesn't, he doesn't do anything on his own accord. And he's telling us the same thing now. Now, I know that going through our mind, we're like, really? There are a lot of things that we do that we don't think that it is God that is enabling us to do that. Yes, in general, we all agree that yes, we can say God created the earth, God sustained the earth, He gave us the breath, He gave us the heartbeat, and therefore we can say, yep, you know, without God, we can do nothing. But if you look closely here, and, and let's, let's read again the verse before. Whoever, or the text, whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the nothing that he's talking about here is about bearing fruit. And just to keep it simple, let's just say the fruit is really love. Right? We, we all learn in Sunday school, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, and they're, they're up there. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's obvious that you, can, you cannot have any of those things without love, right? You cannot have joy, peace, kindness, and all those things unless you have love. The problem is, even unbelievers can show some of these attributes, right? So to, to, to set it clear, to have a clear so that we can, we can feel the power of this, if we define love as God himself, with all, all the things that he has in heaven, and when he forsakes all those things, he decided to come down on earth, which really, from his perspective, is almost, almost like sewers, very filthy. And he comes, become a man, <clears throat> And doing so, he went even one step lower, one on the cross. He lets his own creation beat him up, humiliate him, do all those things so that he can make a way for them. So he can reconcile them to the Father. That is true love. And if we look at this and say Christ is the love, and that's the love that he's after, that's the love that the fruit that he's after, I think that makes a big difference. Now, it just so happened that this fruit-bearing business is very important to the Lord. He is very adamant about, adamant about it. There was one time he was walking by a fig tree, and the poor tree didn't have fruit, and I believe that it wasn't even in season. And the Lord cursed the tree, and the tree died. It's, it's, a, it's a huge, it's a big deal. Right? If you read in this passage, in some others, right, he'll say, if you don't bear fruit, he's going to cut you off, and he's going to burn you. 
So we have to really pay attention to this, this, uh, this, this uh, topic. Now let's read verse 1 to, 1 to 4. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does not every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. <clears throat> Let's make a quick detour to talk about those branches that he cuts away. <clears throat> if, if you, when, you, when you look closely, the branches that he's cutting away that are not bearing fruit are the branches in the church that are not truly saved. They have a form of godliness, like the Bible says, but they deny the power of God. Meaning that in every situation, or the most situation that they have, they always go to human-made solutions. They don't believe that God has power. They don't, they don't trust God's power. They go to church, and they just go through the motion, Right? And the Lord has told us several times for all of us to always check that we are in the faith. Because the, one, the last thing that you want is after all this, you go to heaven and you hear the dreaded, the dreaded word, away from me, I've never knew you. Depart from me, I've never knew you. There is other passage where Christ talks about the same thing. If you remember the parable of um, the wheat and the tear, it's the same concept where Christ will say, look, I planted some seed. Somebody came behind me at night, the devil, and planted seed as, as well. And yet he doesn't ask us to remove the, the, the tear. He said, let them grow together. It's fine. And at the time of harvest, he's going to take care of that business. So my prayer for all of us today is really take a deep look at our faith and, and see who is at work in us. Um, because it is, it is, I don't know if there's anything more vital than this uh, to make sure that we are in the faith. Now, let's go back to the folks that are bearing fruit. There is some good news. The Lord loves fruit so much that he is into, you have to be productive, right? So you, you're bearing fruit, he wants more. He wants bigger fruit. He's never happy with the fruit that we have. He wants more, right? That's, that's a, little bit the, a little bit the culture here in, in, in Silicon Valley. People want you to be more productive. God wants even more. And, and he's going to take, take care of that business. So you don't have to worry about it. He, he's promising that the gardener, meaning the father, will come and, and, uh, will come and, and make sure 
that you produce fruit. All right. So we come with a with a pruning. I have a I stole my wife's little pruning shears. And he's gonna come around around each one of us. All those sins, little sins, big sins, however size it is, the Lord will take care of it. So if you're born again, I guarantee, I promise in the word on the word of God that you are going to bear fruit. And God will come around. You know, the sin that is consuming, wasting precious sap, very valuable sap, is going to come and cut it. You'll cut those leaves, those leaves that are cut in the dirt, is going to remove all those things. In the end, you'll bear fruit. Now, the pruning tends to hurt a little bit. But as Peter said, after you suffer for a little while, Right, you you'll be you'll be the first one when we get there to heaven. We'll be on the on the front line, shouting that it was all worth it. He will make you bear huge fruits. Now, when you when you, when you press on a little bit more and you think about it, it, even gets better. He said that we will bear fruit. The branch will bear fruit. Right? That means you are a branch and there will be fruit hanging. Right? So, the Lord will be the one that will be producing the fruit in you. You don't have to worry about the fruit. You, you, you just trust the Lord and the fruit will come. So those are the two, two, good, two good news that you have in that passage. Now, what is your part? Obviously, you have to abide, right? If the branch disconnects from the tree, from the vine, right, the branch is going to die. So your part is to abide. Now, how do you abide? How, how does that work? That whole, you know, you abide in me and, and me in you thing work. It is very simple. As most things that I say, I always say it's simple. If you're bearing fruit, you abide. You are abiding. Is that good enough? If you're bearing fruit, you are abiding. Now, let's see if we can we can, you know, probe that a little bit more. Because if you remember, the Lord said you recognize a tree by its fruit, right? So maybe we we reach even if we don't completely understand it. If you see the fruit, yes, you are abiding. Now let's, let, let me give, a, give an attempt uh, to see how the abiding works. Throughout this study, I really came around and really f- fall in love with that term, abiding. It's a, it's, it's a great term. And, and the reason why I'm saying that, it doesn't leave any wiggle room. When you, you meet somebody and you're trying to check his spiritual status, right? Try this next time. Ask them, are you abiding in the Lord? To see the type of look that you're going to get. Right? Now, you can say, do you know Christ? And usually when you ask that question, you know, people, people always come up with something. right? So they'll come up with historical facts. Yes, he was a great teacher. He was a prophet. He walked on earth. Um, and on and on and on the list goes. But that's just one step. 
if you think about, and there are other people, when you ask them the question, they'll say, yeah, they, they, they know some of his teachings, they, they know his doctrines and the thing that he's about, they've listened to sermons, they've, they've you know, they're regular subscribers to podcasts, they read blogs about Christ, and, and they know all sorts of things about Christ. But that's still not enough. It's getting close, but it's still not enough. Because you can know words, the words of Christ, but it's important to know Him as the Word of God. Um, it is it is critical uh, to know Him as the Word of God. Now you can know a whole lot about His life, but you have to know Him as the life. He is the life. He he has he claimed that He's the life, and you have to know Him that way. And you can know all His ways. The way he moves, you know, all the things that he matters to him, but you have to know him as the way. He is the way. Now, to get closer to the abiding thing, you have to experience him, right? You have to know the functions of Christ, right? He's a healer. Have you ever been sick where Christ came next to you and where he put his hand on you that you felt the warmth? Of him, where he healed you. That's getting closer to abiding in him. You can see Christ, um, he's, he's a deliverer. We all come here with a lot of baggage. All. I know it because I read about everybody here. It is in the book. So we all have a lot of baggages. Has he delivered us of that? Has he, you know, all those shackles that we have from our past, has he freed us? Because that's what he does. And he has many, many functions. We can spend the entire day literally going through them. Um, but we will not do that. Yes, it is great to see Christ in action. But to get a little bit closer to the abiding thing, he usually compares himself God to the church as husband and wife. That gets close, right? My wife knows me very, very well. Um, more than most people on earth. Because we've been together for a long time. We talk quite a bit. So, we have to know the Lord being speaking terms, right? We have to pray quite a bit, often. Talk to Him about everything that goes on in our life. And also, we have to read His Word. He's the Word. We have to eat it, pretty much. And by doing so, um, we become one, right? Because abiding is about becoming one with Christ. We become intertwined. And, and as we mature, as we mature, something very weird happens is that you have a hard time making the difference between where you stop and where Christ starts. It's, it's hard to, you know, you, it, it is as if things will happen, your reaction, and you have to do a double take. Say, was that me? It's impossible. And also, in a lot of cases, the fruit that comes out, you're not even aware of them that are coming. Now you're already abiding. You're really, really in deep waters. Um, 
one, one of, when I think about it, one of the images that come to me is, is as if we were a bottle, right? On, the, on God's grace ocean. ocean. And, and that bottle is open. And God fills us with his spirit. So much so that the bottle starts sinking. Right? So now you have the water in the bottle, and the bottle is in the water. We are really abiding at that point. Right? So, so sometimes when I read the Bible, it feels like God is telling us the same thing over and over again through different ways, different means, different images. Because this, this, this idea of abiding, he has talked about it in so many other places. So we really, we really have to, to strive to abide. He talks about going from glory to glory, right? So we'll be maturing, and we'll be getting closer and closer to the Lord, right? We'll, we'll be reflecting his, his image uh, more and more. And the body of Christ, sooner or later, and that's based on the Bible, that's what he says, that will grow to the mature, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're looking forward to. Now, I've given few applications here and there, but let me see if I can re-summarize it. I was told that for every sermon you need to have three points. So I'm going to do my three points. <laughs> um, three, three practical applications. He said that apart from me, you can do nothing. But you and I, we know that we do stuff. Right? We do stuff. So anything, and we can produce some fruits on our own. And my point is, all those fruits that did not come from Christ, total waste. Total waste. I don't know what is the purpose of it, if it's just to pass time, what it is, why we do it, but we're just wasting our time. has no zero eternal implication value, total waste. And, and as often, is the total opposite of what we had here, where the fruit will just grow, where you don't, you know, they just grow. Whereas this one that we produce, we work really, really hard at it. Um, that's, that's already a good indication that it's not a fruit that is coming from Christ. And in a lot of cases, we're just dealing with symptoms, right? So let's take an addiction. Any sort of addiction. And there are a lot of them. Soap opera, drugs, you name it. Shoes, women, we can go on. Any addiction, you find human tactics, human strategy to overcome that addiction, it's going to show up in a different area. Until you submit it to the Lord and He healed the root cause, you're just trading off issues. Because this is what the Bible says, that it is the Spirit, this is in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Second application. So, our sanctification, our sanctification, Our 
Okay, let me take a drop of water. <laughs> Our sanctification <clears throat> sometimes can feel overwhelming. This is just us growing up, right? Becoming more and more like Christ. And when you look at the thing that we have to go through to display Christ's character, his attribute, it can feel overwhelming at times. But in reality, it is all in Christ's hand. He's taking care of that. Um, when was the last time you tried to, fo- to really obey Christ's commands on your own? How did it go? I mean, we, we fail repeatedly. We need to ask God for us to be able to obey Him. Um, it's, it's, it's almost as if we have to be smart about it. Right. If you think about an example of you know the ten um, lepers that were crying out to to God to Christ, and He asked them to go show themselves to the to the priest. So on their way there, they realized they were healed. So this is where they're gonna. Ha- they were, there is one of them that had to do a, that have to have, I'll say, a holy disobedience, right? Because he didn't go to the priest as the Lord has commanded him. He went back to Christ. Because he has figured out that there is a whole lot going on at the priest. He rather go see Christ, praise him for what he has done. So if you feel capable, if you feel capable, you go off, you say, Look, the Lord has given me all the means that I that, that I need to obey his command. I'm gonna go on my own. I guarantee you're gonna fail. We have to be like Moses. That says, Lord, I'm not going unless you come with me. That's what we need to do. It is important that every command that the Lord give us, let's be smart, let's be wise, go back to him and ask him to help us obey to those commands, and he will do it. So Philippians 1.6 reassures us that our sanctification it's in God's hand. It is in Christ's hand. And I am sure of this, that he who, beca- who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Now, third, this one, um, I believe it's very important, especially for our church, uh, since living in community is, 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 a, is a major, is a foundation here. Can you imagine on the branch, on the vine, two branches. One has fruits, the other ha- the one has fruits, and they're comparing to each other. I have more fruit than you. That would be totally ridiculous, right? So as brothers and sisters, if we see that some of us doesn't have as much fruit, that's where we have to use discernment and say, hey, first of all, we shouldn't be making fun or feel irritated or start having an attitude. Because this is what Paul said to the Corinthians. For, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast? as if you did not receive receive it. So again, when we see a brother and sisters 
are struggling in an area, it shouldn't annoy us because we are not struggling with that because the Lord has already taken, has already that fruit has already has already grown on us, right? For our brothers and sisters, no point of trying to give them, you know, the here are seven steps that you need to follow and you take care of that problem. Because most of the time, people that struggle with different things, and I'm one of them, I already know what I need to do. But I have no gas. No power. Right? So what we need to do is to pray together. Or pray for the person. If God has opened your eyes, even to the person's in area, that the person, the person doesn't even know that they're struggling with that area. If God opens your eyes on that, that means you have to run to your prayer closet and pray and ask God to help them to grow that fruit in them because we know that he's going to do it right but he loves us to be involved because that's how we're going to praise him more in conclusion why do we need to bear fruit if you read and that's going to be your homework if you read the remaining verses he explains that we bear fruit because that gives glory to the Father. That's the whole point. Our Father is glorified uh, in that. People will see that and will glorify our Father. So, let's recap. Our salvation started with Christ. He died for us. He made it possible. He made a way. But Christ didn't stop there. He came and even opened our eyes so we can see the way and make it attractive for us to even consider it, get on that way and he caused us to fall in love with him. Christ did it. And now that we're in him on the way, he's not done. He's committed uh, to work with us, to work in us, to bring us to the fullness of what God has promised, want us to be. And, and we can all be assured that he is going to present us to the Father on that feast, wedding, whatever you call it, will be spotless with zero wrinkle. The church will be beautiful on that day. So, we, we I hope that we are convinced even more, more than before, that apart from him, we can do nothing. And now agree with uh, Stanley Tam that Christ is the answer indeed. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So let's stand. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We thank you for the work that you have begun in us. We thank you for the fruits that you are producing in us. We ask that you keep us. Keep us in you. Help us abide in you, Father. Lord God, as we, as we go out to the world, as we go out to the world, help us. 
help us admonish the idle. Help us encourage the faint-hearted. Enable us to help the weak. And help us be patient, to be patient with everyone. That in the end, all the glory will go to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.